Welcome to Tea with PILPG. I'm Paul Williams, the founder and president of the Public International Law and Policy Group, the PILPG for short, which is a global pro bono law firm that provides free legal assistance to parties involved in peace negotiations, drafting post-conflict constitutions, and prosecuting war criminals. Today, in our series of podcasts, we will be discussing about personal branding. And as you know, we have our conversations every time over a cup of tea. Today, it's the UK classic of Earl Grey. Joining me today, we have Christy, Sam, and Meg. Welcome back for this conversation. Let's talk today about your personal brand, what that means, how you craft one, and how you utilize it to achieve personal excellence in the professional community. Where do we start with that? Well, let's start with you, Christy. Okay. <laughs> Christy, what is your professional passion? You know, if you're going to have a brand, you're going to need a professional passion, you're going to need to think about your brand, and you're going to have an elevator speech. So let's talk about professional passion. What is your professional passion? Well, I'm really interested in the area of human rights, so I'd say, I would say I'm passionate about that. Great. You and every other young professional that I interact with is passionate <laughs> about human rights. Um, that's admirable, but not terribly unique. Mm. Meg, talk to us. Your professional passion. Um, I mean, I would say human rights as well, but I would add women's rights and finding ways to incorporate art or using creative tools to communicate the law within human rights. Sam, what are you thinking about for your professional passion? Wow, I thought I'd have more time. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting right into it on this. We don't want our tea to get cold, so we're getting right into this one today. Sure. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's really difficult to think of anything other than human rights. And you know, I, Generally, what I tell people is that public international law, and then I make a joke about how that doesn't really mean anything, and it gives me a few seconds to stall. <laughs> um, while I think about... <laughs> more specific issues. Uh, I am passionate about the peace negotiations that we do. Um, I, re I really love that type of work because of its diversity. Um, you can you can be, you know, one day working on some one topic and another day working on a completely different topic, and it's need based and it's quick. Um, I think that's very exciting. Well, that's a, you, can, you can build, all three of you can build quite extensively on your professional passion. And one of the ideas in the context of branding, why I'm so enthusiastic to work with young professionals to come up with a professional passion, is most young professionals, when they're asked, what do they want to do in life? They, they respond with a job title or with some general category like human rights. Senior professionals, uh, the gray hairs who are looking to bring on externs, summer associates, um, uh, young foreign service officers, new hires into their company, are looking for people who've thought about their professional path and that they're passionate about it. There's a lot of passion out there. A lot of people want to save the world. You know, I drive to work every morning and I read all the bumper stickers. Everybody wants to save everything. They're all very passionate. That and about their kid being an honor student and being on the volleyball or the lacrosse team. They're very passionate about those types of things. But that needs to be melded with professional competence, professional skills. 
if so when you're speaking with someone you don't sort of blurt out hi nice to meet you oh my professional passion is art <laughs> human rights and the law um, but in that course of the first two or three minutes of the conversation you leave them with that impression that you're passionate about some issues involved in making the world a better place, changing the world, contributing to, to peace and stability or to human rights, um, and that you have a professional skill set, that you have a professional base from which you're going to go forth and, and make a difference and, and pursue your passion. And that's rare. It's rare that people have connected their passion to their professional skill set and that they're able to articulate it or leave an impression with someone after a two to three minute conversation. So as you're sipping your second cup of tea this mm -hmm. afternoon, think about what it is you're passionate about and then drill down to the second or the third or the fourth level of that passion. Take human rights, take public international law or peace and conflict resolution and drill down in the way that, that Meg has drilled down, that it's connected to the arts, it's connected to other ways of, of making a difference. Make it tangible for the people that you're speaking with. Also, don't have it be limiting. You don't want to have it be so narrow that it excludes you from job prospects or collaborative entities or collaborative opportunities or things along those lines. One of my colleagues once said, be ambidextrous in your professional passion. Be able to um, you know, morph it to the, the context in which you're operating or, or would like to operate. Don't have six random professional passions, but, but have, a, have a passion for human rights and then be able to morph it into human rights and development, human rights and the rule of law, human rights in a particular geographic context. So that's something I was going to ask you about because uh, r recently I was interviewing and um, you know they're, they're looking at my resume and it, it is pr it's pretty directed and they say, well, the, the work that we do here probably isn't going to be as exciting as what you seem to be passionate about. And it took me a second to, to step back and explain that I, I may have these passions, but I understand that it's a big picture thing, right? So we are in the profession of law where um, it's not necessarily all exciting work, but hopefully the, the large-scale goal is, is exciting. So how do, you, how do you sort of avoid having even to, to do that, to have to explain, like, sure, maybe, you know, I am very passionate about this, but I'm also passionate about your organization's end goal, um, and I am malleable, and it's not this sort of you know, very narrow focus that I will only do that work. You want to include in your professional passion, the basic skill set that you're developing. Sam, you and Meg have uh, law, international law, as the core of, of your skill set. Christy, you have international development, organizational management as the core of your skill set. So this is where the professional part of your professional passion comes in. What you want to leave this individual that you're interviewing with or interacting with at an event downtown is the impression that you have locked down a skill set which you are professionally engaged with, you're professionally competent, you're, um, you understand how to use that to accomplish an objective. And you're passionate about accomplishing a certain set of objectives. You know, 
Megan has mentioned in past discussions that she's interested in um, helping nonprofit organizations redesign themselves so that they're more entrepreneurial, they're more competitive, that they can survive in the evolving uh, environment in which we're, we're engaged in. But her skill set, her professionalism that she's going to bring to bear is applicable in those contexts as well as other related contexts. So your professional passion is not a qualification to do something cool and exciting or to get a, a particular job, but it's what's going to attract you to potential employers, potential collaborators, other individuals that you may want to start a nonprofit organization with or that may want to bring you in to help them redesign their nonprofit organization. And that's that mix of you're able to talk about um, your professional skill set, how you produce a top quality product, and that you're passionate about a number of things, and presumably the area in which you're seeking to gain um, employment or, or association. Uh, when, I was in, when I was in law school uh, and I was interviewing on the market, I had uh, dealt blackjack um, at Harvey's Casino. Uh, those of you who are returning to this podcast, you've, you've heard this story a little bit before. Um, and I was irritated that I was always being asked about, oh, you dealt blackjack, teach me how to count cards, did you ever catch anybody cheating, why are there no clocks in the casino? I'm like, I'm a first-year law student, let me tell you about property and torts and contracts. And I realized that that was a waste of my time, that I should be professionally passionate about some of those things relating to dealing blackjack that young lawyers at a firm might have to deal with. And so I basically retooled my experience as a, uh, a blackjack dealer, which required a surprisingly a multi, a number, a number of talents. You got to count to 21. <laughs> you got to make sure that people aren't, aren't cheating. You got to keep track of thousands of dollars in your tray and you got to socialize. So it deals with money and dealing with people. What do lawyers deal? Money, problems, and people. And you, know, you kind of tool your experience into what I'm professionally you know, interested in is you know, engaging with, with clients, um, I'm passionate about helping them solve their problems, um, and I'm passionate about trying to make a difference in the world. Look, it's a stretch from blackjack dealing to, to some of those things, but you want to get that sense of enthusiasm, that sense of, of passion, um, and that sense of the ability to take your professional skill set and, uh, and meet that passion. So can you differentiate a little bit between what a passion, the passion versus the brand? Like once you have the passion, then what is the, the brand that you put out? The brand is an impression that you want to leave behind that's two or three words that they will write on the back of your business card as you walk away from that interaction or later that evening when they're pulling their business cards out of their wallet and writing little notes on the back. It's the image. This person was, was wicked smart. This person was uber professional. Uh, this person was highly talented jack-of-all-trades. Something just like every company. You know, every company has thousands and thousands of words that they put out there in, in marketing so that two or three words will stick in your head as part of that brand that you'll associate with, whether it's soda or whether it's a car or whether it's a law firm. Um, what it is that immediately pops to their mind when they say when they say your name, have any of you been thinking about a brand, and how you want what you want people to think about as they leave a conversation with you? Yes, uh, I mean I think when I meet with someone, I ideally would like them to, of course, think 
wow, she's very qualified, she has this great experience, she's clearly experienced in the field of law, but at the same time I want them to really think this is somebody who's very creative and will solve problems and do it in a very creative way. So I want them to be writing down creative problem solver, um, ideally uber professional too. Um, <laughs> that would be nice. Not wicked smack. No. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> always. Um, but so I think that's what I would really like people to take away. I guess how to do that and how to do it in a short period of time um, when my resume has very legal-oriented things. And I feel like in interviews, they're, they're asking about um, how you work with others and how do you portray your brand within that setting. There's two ways of doing that. One is to think quite broadly about the avenues you have for marketing. As young professionals, strongly, strongly encourage you to embrace personal marketing, professional passion, branding, elevator speech. Think about all of the various ways in which corporate entities market themselves so that there's brand recognition, so that the brand is in, in, your, in, your, in your head when you see that can of soda or that particular car drive by. You have an amazing array of marketing platforms available to you as young professionals that have only recently come to be viable. You have all of the social media, the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram. Whatever you do with your personal accounts, that's fine. But you should all have professional accounts as well, and you should manage, promote, and get your brand out there um, on your Facebook, on your Twitter, on your Instagram. Engage in blogging. Engage in the online intellectual debate. Um, it's quite straightforward now. I wouldn't say easy, but it's straightforward to publish an op-ed equivalent on blog posts. Um, we've talked and we'll talk in additional podcasts about mentorships, co-authoring with mentors to get that op-ed out there. There's so many different ways in which you can market, craft and market your brand. And today when people do an interview, it's not limited just to the interview and to the resume. They will Google you, so to speak, after the interview, and that's where your brand will become apparent to them. LinkedIn. We'll be doing a podcast down the road on how to maximize your LinkedIn profile as a young professional. LinkedIn has such a multi-dimensional, it's literally three-dimensional. Your, your resume is two-dimensional. It's a piece of paper. Um, it's words on paper. LinkedIn is multi-dimensional. That's where you should be cultivating and honing your brand. Because in the 20-minute interview, you're going to have to answer, so what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? And can you tell me about a success? And can you tell me about a failure and what you learned? You need to be able to use all of those other avenues to, to get your, your brand out there, including, including your elevator speech. An elevator speech? What's an elevator speech? An elevator speech is a, is a term of art um, that my marketing friends taught me um, a little while back. And that is, whenever you get into an elevator with someone, Depending on where you live, Washington, D.C., it's 12 floors, which is about 20 seconds. L.A., it's about 50 floors. And in New York, you can sometimes get up uh, to a few higher, um, although they have those express elevators. So you've got to talk really fast if you're in, uh, if you're in New York. Um, but basically, you're in an elevator, and someone says, oh, hey, you know, nice to meet you. What are you, what are you doing here in this, in this building? And if you're a company like PILPG, you have your own company's elevator speech. So when someone says, ah, oh, P-I-L-P what? 
Oh, the Public International Law and Policy Group, PLPG, it's a global pro bono law firm which provides free legal assistance to parties involved in peace negotiations, post-conflict constitution drafting, and transitional justice. Ding, you've hit the 12th floor. And, oh, that sounds really interesting. Hey, do you have a card or something? You know, I, I work in peace talks or I work in conflict resolution or I teach at such and such university. Maybe we can get together and, you know, have a cup of coffee or you can, you know, join my class for discussion or something. And, you, and then you do the business card swap, which we'll also be discussing in a, in a future podcast. So just as, as you're marketing or I'm always constantly marketing public international law and policy group with my elevator speech, you as individuals also want to have an elevator speech. And you can meld that with your company elevator speech. So you meet someone in an elevator. Oh, so, yeah, what are you doing here? Oh, well, you know, PLPG is headquartered here. I'm, you know, coming in for the day at the office. Oh, so. And then the next question is basically, tell me more about yourself. And it'll be asked in many, many different ways. Oh, well, what do you do at PLPG? Or, um, oh, well, that sounds kind of interesting. Um, you know, what are some of the things you're involved in? And then you want to have 20 seconds that you've memorized, that you constantly say, that sounds extemporaneous, so that you only have, when you have that little brief 12 floors or however many floors you're going up, that you don't waste that opportunity to um, convey your brand, to convey your professional passion. And I should be clear, it doesn't only happen in elevators. It happens, at, <laughs> it happens, at, it happens on the bus, it happens on the street corner. It's amazing how many people ask you about yourself. Um, uh, especially at meetings, at cocktail receptions, at professional networking. And you want to be able to say something that creates lily pads, what I call, so that the other side can reach across, step on, to engage in a conversation with you. So, you know, obviously all of your speech is, is part of your name. It's your association with something, you know, the company that you're working for, which is interesting. Or if you just started your own nonprofit, um, you mentioned that. Um, you mentioned a few things about your professional passion, and you tie it into what your future aspirations are. And I'm really excited about being here in Washington because I'm looking forward to doing a lot of things in the coming years on peace negotiations and post-conflict. People are just looking to engage with you and assess out whether they see you as an engaging peer, an intellectual colleague, and your elevator speech is 25 to 30 seconds of information that you're able to put to them before the elevator doors open, before the bus comes, before somebody else joins your little conversation at a cocktail reception, and you've rehearsed it so it comes across professionally. So I talked to you about this before, and it's interesting you bring up the um, blackjack issue because um, I, I have on my resume that I that I was a dive master in Egypt, and almost every interview I've been in, when they see that, that's what they want to talk about. But it seems somewhat uncomfortable to me to leverage that as, as some sort of future indication, an indication of my abilities as a lawyer. So I'm wondering, because that certainly sets, sets you apart, an experience like that that's somewhat unique and, and whatever, and they might write dive master on the back of the card, but how do how do you get them to write dive master, you know, wickets, math, or very <laughs> professional? Uh, how, how do you have those things associated with, with each other? Blackjack, you were saying, you know, the, the numbers and dealing with people and all that, it's very straightforward. You do it by embracing it. Smart young lawyers, smart young development professionals are a dime a dozen in Washington, New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco. 
they're looking for things that make you different and dynamic, and they've got 20, 25 minutes to figure out what those, what those things are. And they've just talked to a bunch in this interview process or at this networking reception or at this annual meeting of the American Society of International Law or whatever it is, a lot of young professionals who've said, hey, I'm a really smart young lawyer. I'd like to work for you because what you do is really cool. Like, uh-huh, stand in line. But if they're interacting with you, they're looking for some way to connect. Oh, you are a dive master in, in Europe. Uh, you are a dive master in, in Egypt. Um, tell me about that. They're kind of only sort of interested in, in being a dive master and kind of sort of interested in Egypt. They're more interested in, are you intelligent? Are you engaging? Are you somebody who is, is passionate about what, what they do? And are you somebody who um, they'd like to pop their head into your office and have a conversation with? Are they somebody you can put in front of a client because you're not just going to bore the client with the technical details? They're going to solve their legal problem, and they want you to do that. But that's where your resume, you know, the other things say that for you. But what your resume can't say is how socially engaging you are, how comfortable you are, how professional you are. They're just giving you a topic. Um, I spent 20 minutes teaching a partner at a New York law firm how to count cards. Um, and at the end of the 20-minute interview, which was utterly consumed by how to count cards, not that a partner in a New York law firm needs to make any extra money, but um, it was an intellectual, intellectual exercise here, uh, he said, great. I'm going to give you a callback interview. I have no idea whether you're qualified to be a lawyer at a law firm, but I had a great 20 minutes, and I assume if you can count cards, you can probably practice corporate law. So come back up for a, a callback at the firm. And, and he was basically like, yeah, by the nature of the school that you went to and by the nature of your resume, sure, you're qualified to provide legal assistance as a first year or as a summer associate. Um, but am I going to want to hang out with you? Are the clients going to want to hang out with you? And are you going to have something interesting to say when you're dealing with other senior lawyers and, and, and other clients. And that's why they pick these odd things on your resume. And then you incorporate it in, into, your, into your brand. You know, part of your brand is that you're uh, adventurous, that you're responsible. You know, dive master is a team leader. You're responsible for people underwater where there are sharks and other things like that. <laughs> um, and if you're going to be leading a team of lawyers, you know, don't stretch it all too far. But those are, it, it's a way to make your interview a three-dimensional experience as opposed to a two-dimensional um, resume uh, experience. So with that, I think we've reached our time limit for this day. So let me thank you for uh, joining us today for our Tea with PILPG. If you're interested in finding out more about PILPG, you can look us up on our website at PILPG.org. We are also on Facebook, Twitter, uh, and Instagram. And if there's a particular topic that you would like us to discuss or a particular tea uh, that you would like to recommend, you can tweet us at hashtag tea with PILPG. Until next time, this is Tea with PILPG, brewing excellence around the world.